Are you ready for this? Welcome to Principles with Corey and Logan. I'm Corey. I'm Logan. And we are here to go on the journey of life and leadership growth with you. Welcome to the Principles Podcast. Welcome to Principles with Corey and Logan. Logan, it's good to have you back, man. It's been just a few weeks, but you've been out for 52 weeks on a 52-week hunt, it feels like. No, I'm playing, but you've been out hunting and uh, really wanted to dive into some of that. And um, I know you that was something that when me and you first started talking about, that was kind of uh, something you wanted to do and talked about it. And man, you made the thing happen, right? So Yeah, yeah. It's uh, good to be back. Um, always bittersweet coming back of lots of things you miss, but then uh, it's nice to have all of the... Uh, all some of the worries of day-to-day life just kind of fall away as you get outside into creation and um, just get to see a lot of natural beauty and start to it's like layers fall away a day or two at a time yeah well um so you went hunting but where where did you go you um so i drove from tupelo through arkansas and oklahoma and Colorado, uh, met up with my uncle and went to Wyoming to hunt antelope for a couple of days and then down to Utah to hunt elk for a few days, back to Wyoming for a day or two, and then back to Utah and then back across uh, (laughs) to Tupelo. So uh, I think by the odometer, it was about 6,500 miles that we did uh, in the truck. And went out there to to hunt antelope and elk, right? That's right. Did you get anything? Uh, at the end of the trip, we finally uh, got an antelope on the ground. Uh, so it was a, a lot of hiking and a lot of work. Um, oh, and I flew out and scouted twice for elk. I was into elk five out of six scouting days and then saw elk one out of eight days uh, on the actual hunting trip. So learned a lot about the false sense of confidence. Um, <laughs> Thought so, you were ready. Yeah, I, I think it's Mike Tyson that said everybody has a plan until they get punched in the face. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, man, we took a couple on the chin. Uh, elk hunting for sure. So, and you, you and I talked about that. So you went out there and they were like, I mean, you saw elk everywhere. And then when hunt, the everywhere. season opened up, it's like, where'd they go? They left. Yeah. They, uh, they, they know right when the season starts, they make a living staying alive. And uh, they start seeing people hike around there wearing orange, and uh, they get out of there. So um, we out. Yeah, there were. I think there were a lot of different factors at play. Um, I think that our process was really good uh, from a preparation standpoint. Um, I've made some good friends with some some local folks, and made some good friends with some guides and outfitters, and. Um, just in kind of checking around here and there throughout the trip um, was getting really consistent feedback from them that this year has just been pretty odd. Yeah. Um, that region has tons of wildfires. Um, and so the smoke has made the animals behave a lot differently than they behave in typical years. Uh, and so that in combination with an abnormally dry year in the regions that, that we were, um, food sources and water sources have um, have gotten a little bit more scarce and so they've um they've kind of retreated the sanctuary um in some places that i wasn't able to find 
Yeah. So, <clears throat> I mean, did you grow up hunting? Like deer hunting, duck hunting, all that kind the, of stuff? The first time I hunted was in November of 2017. So I grew up uh, <laughs> in Northeast Mississippi not hunting. Yeah, yeah. Uh, which is pretty abnormal. It is, man. And yeah, I grew up the same way. Um, I was raised mom and my grandmother for early part of my life and stepdad came, but he, he wasn't into hunting either. I do remember going hunting one time with my cousin out behind our, our house in the pasture and um, we had set up. I knew nothing about hunting, but my grandmother comes out there yelling, Kari, Kari, do you know where your cousin is? You know, and I know you can't hunt like that. So I'm curious. So what we'll gets you into hunting? Uh, so one of my best friends, Chris Bennett, who we've had on the on the show before, um, finally dragged me out there uh, in November of 17, um, the week before Thanksgiving. And um, I killed my first deer and I've just always been into health and fitness. Yeah. And um, that kind of connected the dots to the food that I put into my body. Mm. Um, and just kind of as we did the, uh, the cleaning and the butchering process and seeing that go from a live animal to food on the table um, and having that connection with my food, um, I was pretty hooked very quickly. Um, some of the things came in instinctually and then some of the things um, have been pretty eye-opening how far we are removed from the things that have to happen for meat to be on our table. Yeah. Um, and so I've really enjoyed kind of removing that disconnect. I've, I've definitely found I'm a lot less wasteful. Uh, I mean, we're using everything for organs, bones for stock. I mean, I cook eggs in uh, elk stock every yeah. day, every morning. Um, so we really make an effort to, we pray for the Lord to bless the hunt and then that we will be good stewards of, of what it yields. And we really, really try very hard to not waste anything. Um, it's a lot different than just going and grabbing a steak somewhere or a hamburger or, um, you know, whatever it may be. Um, so that, that was kind of the first thing and I'm very obsessive by nature and it was like, okay, where can this take me? What can I do with it? Um, what types of food can I get? What types of experiences can I have? What types of relationships can I build? And uh, it's just really snowballed. Um, that first year I hunted uh, quite a bit for whitetail. And then that, that following spring, we went to Texas to hunt pigs, wild hogs. Um, and by that next fall, I'd been on my first elk hunt and mule deer hunt. Um, and then it's just gained more and more momentum since then, uh, from staying in hotels to hunting to staying in a tent and going six or seven miles deep into a national forest where you don't see anybody for three or four days at a time. Dude, that'd be awesome. I, I do want to go back to you. You literally like, I know you're listening to this and he, he says he uses everything. You use everything like the, the, I mean, we talked about, the bone and <laughs> I was talking with Chris, you mentioned Chris Bennett that got you started. He mentioned to me the other day that you guys cook the heart. We cook and eat the heart. So, all right, you got to tell me about that. So. <laughs> uh, so I found out about that from a show called meat eater that mm -hmm. can be found on Netflix or yeah. meateater.com. Oh, yeah, um, it's that. a very uh, pretty renowned author, Stephen Ranella. 
got a few books, cookbooks, um, survival books, hunting books. Uh, he's got a good book on the history of the American Buffalo. And, um, so, um, there was an episode where they ate the heart and we're kind of talking about the nutritional value. And so I started researching it and I was like, wow, this is like one of the most nutrient dense <laughs> foods that we can possibly eat. So we're like, let's try it. So we, uh, we took one from one of the deer that we killed and, um, filleted up and seared it medium rare and put some salt on it. And it's actually really good. <laughs> um, so there are tons of different recipes you can do with it. Um, and it's really good. Mm. Uh, and the, the more we started looking into it, um, the organ meats are the, you know, when a wolf pack kills an animal in the wild, um, normally the alpha wolf is going to go claim the heart or the liver uh, because it's the mm. most nutrient dense um, uh. in, in the body. Yeah, Chris was telling me you guys to try, try to, re, I guess you flay it open, you, you scoop out all the, I guess the capillaries and all that, and mm -hmm. you kind of sliver it up and put it into just clean it up yeah. nice and clean. And it, if you didn't know what it was, I, I think you'd have a hard time figuring mm -hmm. it, figuring it out on your own. Yeah. He said it was good too. Yeah. He says it's, good. it's great. We, we like to do it as an appetizer. Um, and I really haven't run into anybody that didn't like it. So do you, do you serve it and uh, have guests over and you just serve and say, hey, just try some of that? I no. don't like to sucker anybody. <laughs> yeah, I know what um, you, mean, yeah. you know, Chris would probably probably go that route. Um, yeah. His uh, his wife does not like wild game at all. Yeah, uh, yeah. So there's been some temptation before to serve some deer, some elk without saying <laughs> what it was. But, um, but no, typically I like to tell people and if they want to, partake and enjoy the connection and kind of the story behind the meal then great and if they don't then we Sorry. can have whatever else we're eating with it that's it man that's it um so you kind of again you just started a couple of years ago and started with deer hunting now you've kind of gone all in i love the see one of the things i guess i always kind of pictured deer hunting and sorry deer hunters out there um getting up in the cold and just sitting there didn't didn't really excite me i've told my friends i would much rather be like the dog that goes out and chases them out you know be the be the active one anyway so you kind of going from that but i really like that thought and the idea of going out into like the the national parks and going deep in there and i mean just that sounds pretty awesome so kind of what is your favorite kind of hunt is it the elk or the mule deer or? my my favorite kind is open country spot and stalk which is um let's find some open country let's hike up high let's use our binoculars and see for four to six miles see what's out there and then let's let's make a plan on how we can how we can make a move on it um that's my absolute favorite thing to do. And elk for me is, is the pinnacle right now. Um, they're just pretty awesome. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know you, you and I have kind of talked about it. I mean, you've got topography maps and everything and see that sounds really cool to me. I didn't know how to read a map yeah. a year ago, yeah. two years ago. I, I pitched a tent for the first time last year. So I'm kind of learning a lot of, uh, woodsmanship yeah. um, and hunting at the same time and just really enjoying um, 
I really enjoyed uh, archaeology, geology, and, and things like that when I was growing up and kind of reconnecting with some of those things and uh, learning how to read those maps, learning how to read the terrain, uh, becoming aware of the weather and how that's going to impact uh, animal behavior, also my ability to survive, uh, <laughs> those sorts of things. You don't want to get caught in those, uh, uh, you know, those high mountain thunderstorms and different things. And, uh, so there's, I, there's just so much to learn. The more you learn, the more you realize you don't know. Yeah, man. Uh, I don't know if I've ever told you this, but I was an Eagle scout, right? So whenever we we're in the boy scouts, I can remember one of the things that we did was learning how to, I wish I remember how to do all this now, but like you're talking about with, um, the maps, how to read maps and stuff. But one night I remember I said, pick out one piece of equipment and go out in the woods and spend the night. Right. And, um, we found a tarp and maybe a string. We tied it. Anyway, we made our own tent and slept in that. So, I mean, as you're talking about that, it kind of reminded me of all that. It sounds kind of cool. So, yeah, it's, yeah. uh, just something that I didn't really do growing up and, yeah. um, have really, really fallen in love with just being outside and enjoying creation. And, um, I also love health and fitness and competition and there's no competition with higher stakes. That's right, man. You and I were talking the other day too, and you're, you're telling about it was the antelope that you got and mm -hmm. you're like crawling on your belly and it kind of share with that, share with us that. Well, they're just, they're, they're different. I'd never hunted antelope before and uh, drew a tag. So the way that works is you, you put in uh, an application and it's kind of similar to a lottery and ended yeah. up drawing a tag uh, in Wyoming and um, have never been where I hunted, didn't know anybody and just hunted public land, um, BLM and state of Wyoming land in that, in that particular unit where my tag was assigned. Um, and so you know, my uncle and I started looking together on the map, you know, where do we think antelope will be, where are our options to hunt that we have access and um, went out and had a great opening day. Uh, he got an antelope. Um, I didn't. We went and hunted elk. When we came back, uh, I came back with a couple of other friends uh, for a day and the antelope were not anywhere near uh, we, <laughs> where, where they were a week earlier. Um, so we had to kind of resort to plan B and plan C and, um, hiked in a mile, didn't see anything. Another mile, didn't see anything. Another mile ended up four miles deep and finally saw our first antelope. Um, I had a doe tag and it was a buck, but we figured we'd kind of try to stalk over to it and see if, see if something was with it. Um, there was nothing, but then we saw something a mile and a half back the other direction. So kind of, took off running out of sight, used the terrain features to stay out of sight. And the, the cool thing about antelope and the frustrating thing about antelope is that they're typically herded up. Um, so they're, they're fairly easy to spot, um, but they have insane eyesight. Yeah. Um, they can see in excess of a mile very well. Um, you said the radius so, too, right? And their radius, I can't remember exactly what it is, but it's, it's like 270 or 300 degrees yeah. that they can see. Yeah. Um, so they're just, and they can run 65 miles an hour. <laughs> so their natural defense mechanism is that they stay in a herd and they get in wide open spaces because they can outrun anything 
and they can generally see a predator first. Mm -hmm. um, so finding them is generally not a problem. Killing them is difficult. Yeah, um, yeah. So generally people have pretty high excitement antelope hunts because you see a lot of them, but they're hard to get close to. Yeah. Um, and then once you do get close, they're very small and they're very twitchy. So, um, twitchy. Yeah. So they, uh, very alert, uh, very cagey. Uh, so we, uh, ended up kind of stalking this group of antelope for about an hour and using the terrain and they would move. And, uh, it was interesting. They had, uh, there's a group of about 10 of them and they kind of had like two that seemed to be assigned to be like sentinels and just eight of them were laying down. And two of them were like up walking around and, uh, and keeping watch. Wow. Uh, so we ended up being able to use the wind and use the land and get, get close enough to be able to, to get one down. But it was, uh, it was quite the challenge and, yeah. uh, just a ton of fun. Yeah. And you mentioned that the wind was blowing so hard the first time you shot, the wind just carried the bullet in front of the antelope. I've never seen anything like it here yeah. Uh, yeah. that, that <clears throat> my bullet moved about about four feet wow um i thought i had compensated pretty well and i was wrong yeah but but you're also saying that the wind was blowing so hard that when you shot it they they didn't even hear it they so could you got not hear it would get another shot yeah have you ever had antelope before i have i had not Okay. Until now. Okay. So you've had, like, have you eaten some I, now? I've had some now. Okay. What'd you we fix? Uh, we just had uh, antelope tenderloins with uh, with some steamed broccoli. Mm. Um, and it's fine, fine meat, uh, but it is very sagey. Sagey. Okay. Uh, hmm. I guess that's probably because they're feeding on sagebrush. Yeah, um, so whoever <laughs> said you are what you eat was right. <laughs> um, so it was very... Uh, very interesting yeah. um, that just the, if you put an antelope somewhere else and it ate something different, it would smell and taste completely different. Um, okay. But that's the first time that I've really had meat from an animal where I like, I watched it eat sage and then it tasted like sage. Wow. I, I just kind of thinking about that. Like you said, you mentioned earlier, I mean, taking the, because of the processing system just taking us away from what it is like. I mean, you, you're sitting there watching it eat and then you kill it and you clean it and you cook it. I, it's kind of like when, when you cook food, it seems like the food you cook, uh -huh. it always tastes better than what you would have somewhere else because you're attached to it. Right. So anyway, I think that's pretty cool. Um, what's next then? Um, Got to go back for elk. Yeah, you still had to tag, right? I My mean, tags are still good through yeah. uh, mid-December for one, and then uh, end of January for another. So, um, working on trying to figure out when I can swing it to get back after them. And uh, my vision statement uh, hasn't been fulfilled yet. So, got to got to get back out there and get back after them. And luckily, most people are kind of their tags are expired and. Uh, I think the pressure will subside a little bit and uh, maybe get a little bit of precipitation and some moisture out there and uh, knock some of that wildfire smoke away, put some of those fires out, see if they'll kind of settle back down and get back to a little bit more less erratic behavior. Yeah. 
you go to hunt something like that and you, you're on your belly crawling you got the topography map and you got a scope map i'm just curious can you even go back to deer hunting now like what is it like deer hunting now um i've definitely fallen in love with elk hunting yeah uh, yeah I, I love the animal itself um they're just incredible they're just like giant forest horses that are kind of <laughs> crossed with with i don't know if you've ever heard them uh when they're vocal during their breeding season but they kind of sound like dinosaurs when they're bugling and screaming back and forth um, wow. you can google elk bugle and, and hear that it's it's insane um wow. and when you watch them do that it's it's something else i've never seen anything like it uh that being said i still love white-tailed deer hunting yeah. around here but it's a i kind of describe it as active versus passive hunting mm -hmm. one of them is is you're definitely uh, going to have a better chance if you sit in a tree stand and play the wind. And, uh, but you still, to, to be a successful deer hunter, you know, it may be manipulating the landscape through building food plots or understanding pinch points or understanding wind patterns or uh, when cold fronts are coming through and yeah. uh, what breeding behavior is going to look like and um, you know how their biology affects how they move and what they need and how you can intercept them uh, it's just such a mental game yeah. um, and you can ruin an entire season of hunting by sitting in the wrong place with the wrong wind and educate that deer that you're going after and it's gone yeah. um, and it, yeah. it'll change its patterns and breeding will be over and you know, you're not seeing it. He's not coming back until March and your season's done and, and you blew it. Um, so it's, it's kind of a year round. How can we learn the, the ecosystem and the specific animals behaviors um, versus I really do love the spot start getting up high, uh, checking out the landscape um, and just enjoying some some different topography and terrain than we get in Mississippi when we go out west and it's like the sunsets and the sunrises in Wyoming and Montana and these places it's like they last an hour. Wow yeah yeah so you, you know I'm picturing you guys you, you say and you go out there and you're, you're four or five miles in how do you get and say you get an elk how do you get that big bad boy out of there? Um, when the shooting starts, that's when, or when the shooting stops, that's when the work starts <laughs> yeah. for sure. Uh, so for this trip, we did, uh, we did 85 miles is what we hiked. Um, okay. Average elevation was uh, about 8,000 feet. Um, so, you know, you're not 10,000 plus feet like you might be in, in some parts of Colorado, but uh, still pretty, still pretty high elevation, especially coming from 250 feet above sea level. Yeah. Um, so, um, you know, definitely some challenging atmospheric conditions. And then you're dealing with, uh, it was 70 degrees in the day and 30 degrees at night while we were there. Um, so you're kind of packing for a range of uh, temperature and weather um, and then carrying all your food and camp on your back. So it, it's a, you know, a 40 or 50 pound pack and some miles. And, um, then once you get them on the ground, you're talking about a six or 700 pound animal and uh, about a, a 30 to 40% meat yield. And if you bring the, if, if like, I like bone in meat, uh, I like to use the, the bones for stock. So 
you're talking about taking probably 50 to 60% of that weight out. So it, yeah, it requires a butchering process and then uh, quarter them. You, you may skin them, you may not skin them depending on uh, how you want to handle your meat and uh, start hiking. So you do all that like <clears throat> right there if you, you get them. Right there on the ground in the field. So yeah. how so I don't know how much, how much do they typically weigh? What would you, what would you but, say? Uh, the the cow that I that I harvested last year weighed about six hundred. Six hundred. So you're talking about I got about two hundred pounds of actual meat that yeah. went to the freezer. So you know, after trimming and all that stuff the, the, that the processor did, I mean, it was you know two hundred fifty three hundred pounds went there. Yeah, man, you you got to have a lot of different skill set. It sounds like for that you get you got the mapping and also maybe how did you learn all that i guess is it as i go yeah okay all right that's <laughs> uh, what i was wondering of, i mean lots of podcasts lots of youtube yeah um, i won a trip to a uh, hunting summit this year and spent three days with some guys that do it for a living yeah. um, and then lots of other like-minded folks um and then i've been super fortunate to have people like chris and my uncle jason that are that have kind of mentored me through um a lot of it but uh, definitely figuring out something that I don't know every single time I go out. Yeah. Find a new way to mess something up yeah. and check that <laughs> off the list, whether it's, um, you know, reading the wind for, uh, for shooting yeah. like it was in, in Wyoming, uh, the year before I had my ballistics wrong and had entered some of my math incorrectly on my drop chart for my rifle. And it cost me an opportunity. Um, so they're just, you just don't realize until you start tugging on that string what all there is behind it yeah. uh, and that's one of the things i've really really enjoyed is is learning the marksmanship learning yeah. the uh the bushcraft learning the biology learning the terrain and that's just uh learning all the gear and um, the chefing yeah the cooking yeah. yeah yeah all kinds of different things and new skill sets and it's just kind of you know trying to pick one or two of those things up and you know, master it to some extent every year. Yeah, man, that's awesome. So, say you got somebody, maybe you got somebody who's only deer hunted and maybe they're, you know, I'd like to try something exciting like that. For you, where was the best starting point? Just to start. Just start, <laughs> Just yeah, to man, start. Uh, I hear, I, if I had a dollar for every time I get back from a trip and somebody says, man, one day I want to go hunt elk or one day I want to go hunt mule deer. I would say just book the trip and then figure it out. Yeah, um, that's, that's Ooh, really, that's what I'm talking about. That's, I that's, like that kind of that's really all you can do. I mean, there, you're, you're going to not have some of the right gear when you get there. Yeah. You're going to not have learned something that you wish that you would have known. You would, I mean, if I, had, I pulled up to so many trailheads and then there's a fence there and it's, <laughs> you know, private property that didn't show on the map. It's like, okay, what, what am I going to do now? Yeah. Um, or you pull up and there's 30 other trucks in the parking lot. You're like, this is probably not the best place to hunt today. Yeah. Um, or you pull up and there you get out there to hunt and there are a bunch of hikers with dogs. Well, probably not going to be a lot of game animals there Yeah. Uh, just hanging out. Um, you just got to book it and, yeah. and go. Uh, and, it all depends on what you want to get out of it. Do you want to just go kill something with big antlers? 
pay a guide? Are you, you know, are you, are you yeah. wanting to go get the experience and you're okay if you come back like I did with no elk and you want to experience, you know, God's creation and, and doing something really hard, just book the trip and go hunt public land and get a tag. Right. Um, so there's just tons of ways you can do it. It's fully customizable. Um, but there's no reason to wait. Yeah. I like that. And just do it. Do hard things. You said, I mean, you guys might, so you did 85 miles. How many days is that? Ten. About 10. Yeah. yeah. Man, that's a, I like that. And one of the things John Maxwell says all the time, exactly what you said is somebody will ask him, I mean, where do I, I want to be an author. Like where do I even start at? He said, just start writing. Just start writing. You just got to start writing. Yeah. You're never going to have it all figured out. And by the way, everything changes every year. Anyway, yeah. the animals go to a different place. Some, you know, a new development comes in or the government sells off this little piece of public land that was your honey hole or um, the quotas change and there's not a tag available there anymore. And every state's different. I mean, you just got to, you know, just dive in. Yeah. Uh, I would, you know, really encourage people if, if you are interested in it, um, you can reach out to me. I'd love to, I love helping. To, I actually took two people on their first elk hunt this year. Wow. Um, and uh, it was awesome. Yeah. And we learned a lot of stuff together. Yeah. Um, but pick a state, you know, pick something, find a mentor, you know, find, you know, people are not just going to share their spot, uh, yeah. but find a way that you can add value, whether it's, hey, I'll come and, you know, I'll film for you yeah. or, hey, I'll come and help carry some of the weight. Um, I'll, you know, whatever you can do to get out there, uh, there's really no replacement for time in the field. Yeah, man, that's awesome. You know, this is, for me, it's, it's kind of definitely a different topic that I've even thought about listening into, but man, that, that's exciting. I like the sound of the challenge and learning new things and how every time it's, it's different. It's man, that's really cool. So I've enjoyed kind of getting the one, hear your other stories about it and two, but any, any other thing you want to, leave with the, the people that are listening that uh, about your trip or even going into that kind of stuff? Uh, well, I asked my wife about halfway through the trip. I had some coverage in one of the national forests and I was like, <laughs> why do I always pick stuff that's hard? Yeah. <laughs> Whether it's uh, working out or soccer or hunting, like a, <laughs> why do I pick the stuff that's difficult? <laughs> uh, but man, it just teaches you a lot about yourself. Yeah. And um, it just makes you better when you come back. Yeah. Um, you know, doing something difficult every day is going to just give you that edge. Um, and I've just, I can't express enough how much I've enjoyed that connection with my food, mm. um, and, and becoming more resourceful and less wasteful. Um, you know, everybody can't do it. There's not, you know, there's not enough, um, land and not enough not enough <laughs> animals for 330 million americans to all go yeah go hunt but you know if 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 more people did it um you know we could probably reduce our footprint in terms of factory farming and have some positive impacts on our environment and and health yeah i mean i think about you're, you're doing 85 miles in 10 days eight and a half miles a day but not only that and you guys are going up 8,000 feet yep. from where we are here in little Mississippi, 250, you know, yep. above sea level. So just get out being active. And, you know, kind of going back to just getting started, I used to have, a, I still do, people will talk about 
what do I need to do about getting healthy and getting fit? And it's like, what do you like doing? You know, whatever you like doing, just get out and be active. If you like playing badminton, go hit that badminton. If you like hunting, get out and get moving. Go, you know, maybe it's not hunting season, but maybe go out and scope out some land or whatever. That's what I did. I went out and, you know, I found a hundred dollar flight one time and, (laughs) you know, flew out and, and scouted for a couple of days. And it was, you know, it was fun. It was, I had a good time. Um, I got to walk around and look at deer and look at elk and, you know, meet some people and make some connections and um, see some awesome sunsets and some awesome landscapes. And um, it's hard to have a bad day out there. It's just amazing how things start to just kind of fade away. Um, You know, day one or two, they're generally, for me at least, kind of stressful trying to disconnect. And then by day three, four, five, it's like, now I'm not worried about emails. Now I'm not worried about finances. Now I'm not worried about, and eventually you kind of settle in. It's like, man, how many layers of things have we stacked Mm. on top of ourselves that stress us out that aren't really necessary in day-to-day life? Um, And it's just amazing how you feel after you let some of those things go Mm. Um, and gives you a fresh perspective on, you know, what can we live without? and really positively impact the quality of our lives. Yeah. I I love how you live in your life, man. Just living it instead of one days and some days. And when I I wrap up here, here in just a second, but one of the first things I realized coming out of college, I was working with patients in the physical therapy world and be working with some of the elderly. And they said, yeah, me and my husband or me and my wife, we always talked about when we retire, we would go do this or we would go travel. And as soon, it seems like every time they would retire, that's when kind of life would catch up with them and they never got to do mm-hmm. what they wanted to do. And I, I told my wife, Kim, I was like, when we get the opportunities, we're never going to put things off. We're going to do, we're going to live life. We're not right. going to wait, you know, and I love that. So. Well, it's something that you've taught me. Um, I think <laughs> you made me commit to some things at the beginning of the year when we started coaching and uh, you start to get a little bit of momentum and yeah. you can, you can really start to check some things off the list. And, you know, my father-in-law passed away in April and he was 58. He went to work like a normal day and went to the restroom and didn't come out. Yeah. And, you know, we don't, we're not promised a tomorrow. So let's put some stuff on the calendar as best we can, obviously within financial means and, and, um, you know, without, uh, sacrificing in other areas, but, you know, to the, to the best of our abilities, let's, you know, let's get some stuff done while we can. That's it. And man, I, I just want to wrap it up with this. So if anybody is there interested in, man, I'd like to know more about that, or maybe they've got, you know, some excuses that I'm, man, that's gotta be expensive, but you mentioned a hundred dollar plane flight. Maybe they've got some of the equipment, right? But yeah. And there are places you can rent things. Yeah. Uh, there, there's a, you know, you can do things as expensively or as uh, cost effectively as you want to, to a certain extent. I mean, public land is, that's what our, that's what our federal income taxes pay for is to keep that land public for us. And it doesn't cost anything to go park at a trailhead and go hike out there. Um, You know, there's a lot of free resources on YouTube and with podcasts on the how to. Um, And, you know, certainly you don't want to, 
you know, just go out there in a cotton t-shirt when it's 20 <laughs> degrees and go try to spend the night. But, you know, yeah. there, there are ways to get started and, and not break the bank. Um, there's a, you know, I, I always hear the guys on the podcast talking about all the newest gear. And then at the end, they're like, you know, but <laughs> granddad killed a lot of elk in his flannel shirt and his blue jeans. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, you know, don't, there, there's never going to be a perfect time to start anything, whether it's a business, whether it's hunting, whether it's getting in shape, like just go take a walk. Yeah. Just drink a little bit of water instead of a Coke. Just yeah. get started. That's right. So if somebody did want to ask you some questions, they had some questions about her or say, Hey Logan, I know you, I know you want to go out there and get that tag and I want to learn from you. I'll pay for your air flight. And for, no, I'm gonna say, but if yeah. seriously, if somebody did have some questions about, man, how do you get started? What would be the best way to contact you? Uh, just uh, email me at lbayers91 at gmail.com. And I'm more than happy to help. Um, I love helping people get into this. I'm pretty, pretty passionate about it. Um, and just have, have loved the experiences I've been able to, to have the past couple of years. And, um, you know, it, it doesn't stop there. At, you know, the, the meat comes home and, you know, we'll have dinner parties with our friends and, you know, talk about the stories and show the pictures of the landscapes and different things. So um, it's, yeah, it's been phenomenal and um, looking forward to lots more adventures. Awesome, man. Well, hope you guys have enjoyed this episode of Principles. I, I think it's been awesome. I know it's been different from some of the other episodes, but um, Logan has some great, great stuff in here and living life, man, just getting started. Don't put off anything I think is great. So I hope this has added value to you and make sure to subscribe so you can stay up to date with any of uh, the upcoming episodes and you guys have a great day and God bless. Thanks so much for spending your time with us today. As you go about your day, remember to ask yourself as a parent, child, sibling, business owner, customer, boss, teammate, would you recommend yourself? audit yourself, and change your life. Hey guys, and if you enjoyed this podcast, uh, take a moment, please subscribe, give us a rate and review on your listening platform. And hey, we value your feedback and it helps others find us. Are you ready for this?